This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming Camila Osmond to the show. Camila is one of the members of our Happy as a Mother wellness team. She is a trained social worker and psychotherapist with over 10 years experience supporting mental, emotional, and relational wellness. As a mother of two, she was inspired by her own experiences in pregnancy and postpartum, and that's really sparked her desire to better help moms and couples. In today's episode, we're using her couple's experience to talk all about preparing your relationship for children. Oh man, I don't know about you, but I think back on how unprepared and naive I was for the change that parenthood would bring to our relationship. At a time when so much is changing physically with our bodies and psychologically and emotionally with our own identity, we also have this big change in our partnership, one that definitely happens to all of the couples who go through this transition, but I feel like is so rarely talked about. In this episode, Camila and I discuss whether it's normal for relationships to struggle while adjusting to parenthood, some of the ways that children change relationships in ways that we may not have expected. We explore the most common, difficult parts that couples experience, whether that is the change in physical intimacy or emotional intimacy. We unpack ways that parents can maintain or strengthen relationships during this time in transition. And really, we explore ways to care for and nurture your relationship during this massive time of transition into parenthood. When we enter into parenthood, it may feel like the honeymoon is over and the real true adulting has begun. But if we can learn to navigate this adjustment as a team, it can actually deepen our emotional intimacy with our partner rather than divide us. But that is no easy task. It takes a lot of conscious work and effort in navigating these changes in our partnership. Tune in to my conversation with Camila where we discuss all of these things and more. Hey mamas, have you heard the exciting news? We are rolling out a wellness clinic across the country. That's right, Canada's first maternal mental health nationwide clinic. So far we are offering services in Ontario. We've recently added Alberta and Saskatchewan. And while you're listening to this, we may be rolling out additional provinces in your location. To learn more and find a maternal mental health specialist that can serve you in your adjustment to motherhood, head to happyasamother.co slash wellness. That's happyasamother.co slash wellness. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. 
please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Camila, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. You've been pandemic parenting, you've been carrying a caseload and supervising students, so many things. You joined our Happy as a Mother team, I believe, in the pandemic as well, right? It's all a blur in my mind now in terms of timeline, but yeah, you've been managing all the things and you've taken the time to be here with us today. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks, Erica. So I'm really curious, and I always start off the podcast with trying to understand how specialists find their way into their field because you've specialized in maternal mental health and you work with couples as well and have lots of Gottman training. Mm -hmm. How did you come to niche down in working with moms? So I think for many of us who specialize in it, it comes from personal experience. And for for myself, it's not any different. I was a therapist before I specialized in this niche and a therapist before I became a mom. And it took me probably until eight months postpartum with my first before I recognized just how bad it was, the anxiety, the depression, some of the isolation. I had a winter baby and that played a big role in it um, Mm. for myself, condo living and whatnot. And with my second, it was in pregnancy. That's when it hit me, just anxiety and panic attacks and whatnot. But because I had that experience and recognized what support meant when I was eight months postpartum, with my son, I did reach out for support and it made a huge difference. And so in pregnancy, I was surprised by some of, I didn't have panic attacks ever in my life before like that. And so I was surprised though, but I think I was afraid like many moms who had postpartum depression, it's the fear of how bad it got that hits with the anxiety sometimes. And so I had that experience But I also had the wonderful experience of knowing and because I'm a therapist, I was able to know what resources to reach out to. So I did all of that for myself. And it made a world of a difference. I had a wonderful postpartum, not so much pregnancy, but wonderful postpartum with my second, not without its own hiccups, but much better. And then of course, I just wanted to be that person for other people too. It's crazy how we go through our undergrad and our master's without maternal mental health even being a mention in most of our studies, right? It wasn't until my own lived experience, just like yours, that I was like, wait a minute, this is a whole subset niche of information that I was never exposed to. And one of the points that you brought up, I think we don't state enough on the podcast, is that these symptoms don't only start in the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. For many, they can start in pregnancy. And in retrospect, when I look back, probably even with my first baby, maybe less with subsequent ones, I don't know, but the anxiety that I had that I seemed to think was going to go away once baby came out and like was quote unquote healthy, you know, that mm-hmm. that I would be able to like breathe a sigh of relief and think, okay, you know, we've made it mm-hmm. when really it was sort of the beginning of this new whirlwind of anxiety that I I'm now responsible for this tiny human. And what does this mean for me? You know? Yeah. Um, But another conversation that I feel like is really missing, like another piece of this conversation or another one of these conversations that is really missing in preparing us for motherhood and parenthood is this conversation that we're here to talk about today. And that is baby proofing our relationship, I guess. Like, is that Mm -hmm. a thing? 
what does that look like? And we're going to dive into that today. And I don't know that baby proofing our relationship is maybe a realistic expectation because I know we'll get into some of Gottman stuff and I'm sure talk about some strategies and things, but I know that babies do impact our satisfaction in our relationship for a period of time, don't they? Absolutely. And so, you know, as you mentioned, Gottman, I think they say it's about a 60% decline in a healthy relationship after baby. And that doesn't mean, you know, not to have kids, but to just be aware that I think it's the expectations too. I, a lot of us will, you know, if we haven't been exposed to people who have children, we might have that idea that, you know, we're going to feel more connected or, you know, we're suddenly becoming a family. There is some of that excitement and then the exhaustion hits us and some of the tasks that can work against us. It can be a really hard transition. It's a hard transition as an individual. It's a hard transition in terms of the relationship. Yeah, it brings me back to conversations that my husband and I had, you know, before babies, Mm -hmm. very flippantly like, oh, I really want to have a baby. And just like these conversations that I feel like had no context (laughs) and no understanding of Mm -hmm. what that really meant for us as a couple, for us as individuals. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like there are things that I wish we could have done differently or I wish we could have known, Mm -hmm. right? And we have like a really solid foundation. And I can imagine Mm -hmm. that if there were cracks in that foundation, how parenthood could absolutely like divide and fracture those cracks. Yes. Yeah. One of the big things I think happens to a lot of couples, and as you mentioned, that piece of you know, having that solid foundation is we lose sight of each other. We slip into parenting and sometimes seeing our partner as a parent to our child instead of as a partner, as their individual self trying to figure out the parenting. And so we see how they're relating to our child and the tasks that they're doing, the tasks we're doing. We kind of get consumed with our perception of our world. And it's really easy. I just I remember this and I hear this all the time from parents and moms that I'm working with. It's really easy to slip into thinking the grass is greener on the other side. So suddenly, instead of, like I said, that expectation of we're a family, it's I'm doing all these things. What are you doing? I'm doing all these things. I don't get a minute to shower. I don't get to, you know, have the luxury of a break. My coffee is always cold. And you get breaks at work, or I see you pull into the driveway. I remember one of my pet peeves was my partner mowing the lawn. You get like that hour outside mowing the lawn, mm-hmm. and I'm inside with babies. And so, you know, these things happen, and it, it pulls us apart if we let it, if we're not doing the work to connect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This brings up such significant memories for us, right? Times when you are, whether you're on maternity leave or whether you don't have maternity leave, maybe you only had a couple of weeks at home for those of you mm-hmm. in the States, but you're seeing yourself managing and, and being forced to adjust. Your whole individual world is changing, like this matrescence that we talk about, right? This adjustment that we're going through. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're sitting there and our partners get to keep up with their individual role and they get to keep mm-hmm. up with their life, there can be this real sense of not feeling seen, not feeling understood. I know resentment can really take hold at this time. Like it really can complicate so many pieces of our relationship because often 
at least in my experience with clients that I'm working with, is it feels like this shift has sort of unfairly or disproportionately fallen on mom. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big piece. Like I said, we can stop seeing each other and then assumptions come forward. So the assumptions that they have no idea what it's like, you know, and those thoughts really do spiral. If you think, as you mentioned, resentment, you have that unhelpful thought about your partner or about your relationship. And suddenly it feels like, you know, well, there's the isolation piece of you're the only one or it's your relationship. There's something wrong with your partner, or your relationship, instead of seeing that it's just this hard. So like we're talking about that lack of prep, and then it filters into these feelings of anger and frustration. And, you know, sometimes we may even have strong thoughts like, I hate him, or, you know, I can't do this anymore. It can snowball very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I talk to couples about frequently is holding on to relationship affirmations, the same way that we use affirmations for our individual wellness, our confidence to be compassionate and kind to ourselves, to try to stay grounded and not lose sight of you know, the good things we know about our relationship. And I don't mean trying to convince yourself an unhealthy relationship is healthy. But if you know, if your logic part of your mind knows that he contributes, you you know, your partner is doing kind things is trying their best. If your logic part of your mind is knows all of that, but your emotional self, your exhausted self is pulling you into thinking, and sometimes these unhelpful thoughts Mm. about them, it can be helpful to practice the affirmations to just kind of balance it out and remind yourself you're working for the same purpose. It's not your relationship. It's not your partner. It is just this hard. It's also not forever. You have options. And so, you know, communicating with each other instead of letting the assumptions and the perspective pull you apart to share with each other. What's your reality? Where are your resentments coming from? Make room for the conversations and kind of air it out instead of trying to just hold it all in. It compounds when we hold it all in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it comes to the resentment pieces, this is such an interesting thing that Psyched Mommy and I unpack in our relationship bundle, our two workshops that we have. And I think even in our Mommy Rage workshop, where so often behind the taking that thing personally or the blaming and the resentment, there is an unmet need. And it's really interesting to me. I think directly back to an experience where I was home on maternity leave. I was home with, oh my gosh, three kids, three and under, and like the odd, you know, part-time daycare help or whatever. And seeing my husband get up, put on his suit, still fitting in his clothes, body that still looked the same, you know, in his same routine. It's 6.30 in the morning. He doesn't want to get up and go to work, but he's going to work to provide for his family. And I'm like resenting every moment of it. And nothing to do with his behavior had changed. Nothing that he was doing was to slight me. It was to care for me. It was to care for our family. It was to provide for our family. And I think that we can so take the bait of that resentment and not sit back to think, like, what is it that I really need? Why is this getting to me so deeply right now? And in those moments, it's like I so badly needed a break or I so badly wanted a piece outside of motherhood of myself that I could hold on to and retain. Mm -hmm. And it seemed that he had those pieces. It was like always Mm -hmm. this constant reminder to me Like I'm trapped and he has freedom, you know, Mm. and it wasn't his fault. And yet I resented it. 
the other thing I hear with couples is that piece of the other person. So exactly what you're saying there, the other person isn't doing anything different. The other person isn't trying or stopping you from doing those things. And in some cases, the other person is actually trying to encourage you to take that time for yourself. Go for a walk, get out, go, you know, I know in pandemic times, we aren't necessarily meeting up with friends, but now more so that's an option. But even when the other person is encouraging us, sometimes we're saying no, we're falling into the trap of, I think I should, I should be at home, I should, you know, I feel um, you know, the mom guilt of not being here. So I'm making myself be here because I think it's what I should do. Meanwhile, I'm resenting you for the time that you get to have for leisure, but I'm not taking that time. Yeah, that was a really big shift in not the feelings I had towards my partner because I didn't feel any like less like in love with him or committed to him or anything like that. But I think I had never experienced like frustration or resentment or envied his position before. And so when we're talking about the things that change in our relationship or the things that adjust and are different, this complex amount of feelings that were not present in my relationship between my partner and I, now we have to like juggle or like you get to sleep or you don't have to nurse. Not because he doesn't want to, he doesn't have milk. Like, you know, it's just like these things that make the relationship more complex. I think that that's a big part that changes is Mm -hmm. it gives room for more tension or negative emotion potentially in the relationship. Other things that change when preparing for baby or bringing baby home would be what do you think? What other types of things change? Yeah. So I think online with the room that it leaves for resentment is how extreme our feelings can be. So, you know, in a moment where we click on to that negative, unhelpful thought, it can feel like I hate my partner. And just in the flip reverse, we can feel like, you know, we see them interacting with our baby or something else that we admire for them. And it's like, I love my partner. And you feel that overwhelming sense of love, uh, for sure. Sex is the other thing that I know they talk about a lot, just the the impact of that. And I think nothing prepares you no matter how many books read for the depths, the level of exhaustion that can come with that newborn stage. And some of the other things can that can come up in terms of healing postpartum and the variations of that birth trauma. I think it's spoken of a little bit more now, but it isn't something a lot of moms still are being prepared for um, that birth can happen in so many different ways. Healing can happen and be a, a long, difficult journey. And, you know, caring for ourselves, our needs and our wants may, may be different than what our plan for birth and our plan for postpartum is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the change in physical intimacy postpartum is probably one of the most frequently discussed topics in my like weekend polls that I do on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does anybody else not have any sexual desire? Are you still in the sexless relationship six months, eight months, a year postpartum? Does it hurt when you're, you know, experiencing intimacy and, Mm -hmm. and or do you and partner argue about it or all kinds of questions and things around that? Because it is a drastic change. You go from having time where you guys are laying in beds, having your weekends to spend however you want to a lot of moms describing their body as like a sort of like a utility feeling, like, you know, like for function and for purpose rather than for like 
pleasure and exploration. And there are some moms who do say and report that they feel an increase in drive after and they feel very sexual and even, you know, enjoy sex more and stuff. And that's wonderful. And if that's you, that's great. And it's maybe done helpful things for your relationship. There is another set of women where it it has added more strain and stress because it's something that they feel guilty for, or it's something that, you know, partner is wanting and isn't getting. And there's a whole piece to that. It is a big thing that does come up. Like you said, there's multiple reasons why our sex life is affected postpartum. And yes, you're right that for some women, it's a positive change. But of course, in our world, in our lens, we're hearing more of that negative change. Couples who are struggling are the couples who are coming to therapy. And so I more often than not hear that, you know, it's something that's shifted negatively from the, you know, I'm touched out to the, you know, I don't feel emotionally supported. So I'm not turned on. I don't want that touch. So how can we get to foreplay? How can we get to, you know, get feeling like we want to engage in sex? There's so many different things. And I think you mentioned pain too. So even when we try, it's painful. So then I don't want to, or I feel like I'm doing it just because I have to rather than I want to, which makes me want it less. So there's lots that can come up with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mentioned the emotional connection piece. When we're not connected, it's really hard to communicate. It's really hard for communication to go well. Mm. If I don't feel emotionally connected, emotionally supported, we're more likely to believe those unhelpful negative thoughts that can pop up. It's like we're believing our assumptions more than what our partner is saying. So I talk Mm -hmm. a lot about that in therapy too. Do we check each other's intentions or do we trust our perceptions more? So even if we clarify with our partner, what did you mean? And they clarify, they say what they meant when they said something. Do we believe what we thought more than what they say they meant? Mm-hmm. And often when there's unhealthy connection where we're not feeling connected, we'll dismiss what they said. So the words that are coming out of their mouth, we will dismiss and believe our beliefs about their intentions. And we need to flip that mm-hmm. to get on the same page. We need to start hearing each other's intentions a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Things come out of our mouth sometimes that doesn't necessarily reflect what we're trying to say. And we would want that when we clarify, our partner believes that. So we have to be open to believing their intentions too. I think that goes for both words spoken and actions, right? An example of this would be, I don't know, stereotypical, and this is not the case in my home. This is actually more me than my partner, (laughs) leaves things like outside the hamper or on the side of the hamper or in the sink instead of in the dishwasher. And a story that I could tell myself about that is he knows how important this is to me. Why would he slight me like this? Like he's doing this just to tick me off, Mm -hmm. right? And that's that assumption. That's that belief. Whereas I could say like, hey, babe, what's up? Why is the sink full of dishes? Oh, really crazy thing blew up at work today unintentional. I'm going to get to it after this meeting at this time, mm-hmm. right? Giving him the benefit of the doubt. That is such a big thing that I talk about with my clients is, can we play devil's advocate a little bit? Can we take that assumption and play both sides and say, okay, well, what are like three other realistic reasons why that dish may be in the sink other than the fact that he's just really up <laughs> to get me today, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels that way sometimes, but I jokingly, and I think I've said it in a previous podcast, like 
my husband is the refiller of the home. To me, I'm like learning that I'm potentially like ADHD and out of sight, out of mind for me, mm. like actually. And so things like body washes that need to be refilled or soap or soap in the kitchen or whatever. Like if I'm not actively trying to use that thing, like it's gone out of my mind that it needs to be refilled. And so if every time he got to something and it was empty or not refilled, he assumed that I was just trying to like get under his skin or like not taking him seriously or Mm -hmm. or not valuing it or thinking it's important in the same way that he does. There would be so much resentment of his towards me because my brain is just very different than his brain and how we work. And so we've done a lot of work in having conversations and communicating so that we can play to each other's strengths in the home. And there's lots of things that I'm really good at doing that he's not so thrilled about or skilled in. And so we divide things accordingly, but we couldn't get to that place of problem solving and communicating it if we were just believing these negative assumptions about each other, right? Yeah. And I think you named it, giving each other the benefit of the doubt. The other thing I talk to couples about is leveraging the differences. So you see the world a little bit different. You can use those differences. Those differences are great in terms of parenting. Your child has the benefit of both personality types to know that they can come to one or the other for different things, to know that they have exposure to different ways of being. So, you know, for your relationship, you can leverage those differences. And in parenting, you can leverage those differences differences. It doesn't have to be, again, that intention is to slight you. That intention is this person takes me for granted or any of the other thoughts that may filter into resentment. We can pull it back and give each other the benefit of the doubt. And the other thing I thought of is to recognize that that's where some of the relationship affirmations can come in. Just trying to remind yourself that thought. We're working for the same purpose. My partner has the best intentions for our relationship. You know, it's not always their intention. Coming back to what you also said there around um, the need. What is the need? What is the feeling that I'm feeling? Underneath every criticism that we have is often that need or want. If we can express that instead of the criticism we'll get further in the communication. Right. Instead of why are all these dishes here you never help with whatever or mm-hmm. or just seeing the negative or calling out the negative. I could really use an extra set of hands in here. There's a lot like I'm trying to cook and there's a sink full of dishes. Would you mind coming to assist me, right? Like mm-hmm. stating that need is so much more like efficient and like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's actually going to, it's the means to the end. Like it's actually going to get that need met for us versus a criticism is just going to put our partner on the defensive. And then we're going to enter into this negative pattern and cycle of communication that still doesn't advocate for our need or, or call attention to that thing. It still goes unmet. And now we have like distress and turmoil from the disagreements Mm -hmm. that we've been going through. The criticism often just flips into defensiveness and then we get into that tit for tat. And like you said, it it just feeds into a different argument. So suddenly couples often will say they find themselves then arguing about the argument rather than the issue at hand when the issue, you, you get so far ahead of yourself instead of the need and the want when we could have paused and thought about why am I feeling this way? And I know it's easier said than done, but there's that piece of if we can do that pause, like you said, we can get so much further. It's more productive. It works for the relationship. 
instead of against the relationship. When we just go to the criticism, like we talked about, it goes to the defensiveness and we get so far away from seeing each other as partners and trying to work on it, we get into seeing each other's as adversaries and suddenly it feels like I mentioned our partner is broken or, you know, isn't the right person for us or a relationship is just too difficult. Mm -hmm. Most of the time that's not the case. There is that piece of we want the same things, we just don't know how to get on the same page. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. 
With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's tricky when we talked about giving your partner the benefit of the doubt and by communicating. And I think some of the trickier situations or clients that I've worked with, most partners are on board to want to help. And then there are some clients who really come up against a like a bit of a stone wall, you know, or like maybe a partner who is struggling in themselves. And this is a really good place for us to highlight this mm-hmm. is that, you know, one in five moms are going to experience some sort of postpartum mood or anxiety disorder. And if mom is going through something, it makes their partner 50% more likely that they will experience it. So they're also going to be a one in five at that point. And because we are tethered to each other in our home and how it functions and emotionally and physically, when one of us in a unit is suffering, we offset or like pull and draw from each other, right? Like there's a reaction that occurs there. Yeah. And so often partners can struggle too, like you named when mom is struggling. So if mom is one of those one in five, and we know in the pandemic that has multiplied, uh, partners are also struggling too. I think the big thing is regardless of if we see the symptoms or not, let's have the conversation. Let's ask each other, how are you doing? And truly with, you know, trying to get to genuine answers, not a how are you doing? I'm good. But trying to truly get at that answer. One of the things I hear often from partners who reach that point of crisis and then reach out for help is I didn't feel like I had room to say how I was feeling because she was struggling so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk about me because I know what she was going through. I didn't feel I had the right to. But If partner is not taking care of themselves, they can't support. And then mom's going to be in a tougher position too. Yeah. So it is important to have those conversations. That's a really big piece, like especially if you've had traumatic birth Mm -hmm. and partners also experiencing trauma, not all, but some alongside because they've just watched their love of their life and their baby go through this experience or whatever and feeling as though well the trauma hasn't happened to me so I don't have like a right to be struggling right now Mm -hmm. or going through anxiety or postpartum depression but not having the same supports like we have moms who are under supported and then we have partners who are not even acknowledged half the time as needing support, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so there are unique and different ways in partners and depression in men that can surface that does look different. Are they working Mm -hmm. more than normal, you know, engaging Mm -hmm. in like risky behaviors, sleeping a lot, irritable, losing their temper, maybe raising their voice uncharacteristically, these types of things, maybe some more of those like avoidance behaviors or being kind of like tuned out and avoidant. And these are some signs that your partner may also be struggling in their adjustment to parenthood. And that can really fuel this negative cycle postpartum often because if partner's struggling and they're withdrawing from you, you feel your support backing away And that creates more resentment and can really like, you know, snowball this pattern 
to happen. So if that's the case, if you're listening and you're finding like, yeah, no, I can relate to that. Like we both seem to be struggling here. You can find support. Like Camila works for our Happy as a Mother wellness team and is in Ontario. She works with both moms and with couples and parents in adjusting to parenthood because we're not the only ones who go through this transition, right? This this adjustment into parenthood. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I find it actually quite helpful to moms to have the couple therapy in the postpartum phase um, because partner is there too. Hearing what's going on can share more of their feelings, feel like they have space to bring a voice to what they're experiencing. And like I said, when we're having those conversations, we start to see each other more. We start to see, okay, they're struggling like I'm struggling. It might be in a different way. They want some of what I want. And like I said, it's often that we want the same things. Nobody wants to argue with their partner. Nobody wants to see each other as adversaries or end up in any of those tip for tat conversations. We want to feel validated. We want to feel seen. Mm-hmm. appreciated. And so when we can have these conversations and get back to seeing each other, that we're on the same side, we're on the same team, we're going to feel better overall. We know that relational wellness contributes to overall wellness. It's a component of our mental health. It's a component of our overall wellness. And so having these conversations is taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, going to the gym and eating healthy. If you're not communicating with your partner, if you aren't relationally well, you're going to eventually feel unwell. You might be able to get through the days, but not feel your full wellness. Mm -hmm. And it's a very different type of connection that you have. Like you think about before babies and all of the, I don't know, maybe freedom and intimacy that's physical and like date nights and like there's connection and there's, you know, sex and there's like all of these things. And then you think about when somebody can, maybe not off the bat, but through either some therapy or through some communication, learn to have your back in a way that feels so safe. Mm -hmm. There is such a depth of intimacy there that is so different. And I don't know, there's just a richness to it. There's a depth to it that's so different. We don't end up there accidentally. Mm-hmm. It is something that takes a real honing of being able to communicate effectively, learning to give our partner the benefit of the doubt, like learning some of these skills that we're talking about in order to solidify that like bond or really connect in that deep way. Yeah. It's almost like the cliches are true and the cliches are untrue when it comes to the richness that family life can give to us. We can get to that place where it deepens our love, where it becomes something that, you know, we admire each other for and that, you know, we we actually have a better thriving sex life because we're parents and we get to, you know, see each other as parents and we feel, you know, turned on with each other because of that role. But there's the hard work in between. It doesn't, it's not just a magic click. And there's so much, I, I would want to say more so now than before. There's so much that can pull us in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And why I say more so now, it's like, 
the components of the pressure and the pressure and the comparisons that exist out there in part by like social media and whatnot, we can see so many comparables that when we see that, it's easy to feel like our relationship is lacking. Why don't we have some of that? The Mm. easiest way to feel unhappy is to see those comparisons and go there mentally to feel like there's something wrong with us or our relationship. And so if we don't do that work to connect with each other and see that, you know, there's a lot that could be here to hear each other out. And it does take two. So you do have to have a partner who's willing to do some of that. You know, you can get there. There is that richness that you're talking about that's there to be had. There's that piece of, you know, we're building and working towards dreams together. So joint dreams, as well as supporting each other's dreams. And that's, you know, really what a fulfilling relationship is about. We're, we're doing it all side by side. While, yes, there are some things that are joined. And that's on the basis and the assumption that there is safety and security in our relationship, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I think about some of the polls that came in over the weekend and it's like, did your partner have an affair while you were pregnant? Or did you stay with a partner who had an affair for the kids? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about having an affair on your partner? And there's a lot of these types of questions that come in anonymously to be shared in the community. And when I'm hearing things like that, I'm hearing like a fractured base, right? Like there's not going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. safety and security and trust to build something together when we've been wronged so deeply. And a wrong or what I would call an attachment injury Mm -hmm. is a hurt in the relationship that doesn't need to be an affair. Some of the moms I work with, it's like partner prioritize work over being at the hospital with them. Um, you know, where there is such a really deep need for partner's presence Mm -hmm. and they miss the mark and do not show up emotionally, physically, whatever that looks like. And that can really be defining moment in a relationship. And a lot of arguments, if they're coming back to that thing, like, well, you weren't there for me. You didn't get up with me in the nighttime. This is a big one I hear from moms mm-hmm. when they've struggled, whether it's like with postpartum depression or anxiety or nursing, just generally speaking, and partner didn't emotionally support them when those times were so challenging and hard, right? So mm-hmm. these are things that can create fractures and erode the trust in our relationship. Yeah. And if that's the place that we're at, we're not working to like deepen our connection. We're working to repair a fracture in our trust. Like we're working to rebuild the fundamentals again in our relationship. Yes, exactly. And so it is different based on what's happening in the relationship. And I think the stressors that can come along postpartum and sometimes even during pregnancy can be part of what leaves a relationship vulnerable to some of these fractures. So sometimes it can be, you know, seen as a betrayal. Sometimes it can be, like you said, an attachment piece that leaves us open. We can feel like the other person didn't show up for us. They didn't fulfill something that we were depending on them for or counting, expecting them to come through. And sometimes it's not around fidelity. It can be related to, like you mentioned, you didn't show up to the hospital or you didn't, you know, you didn't believe me when I said I was in labor. You didn't, you know, show up in these ways that I expected you to show up. And it does take time. Some of those things, again, if the other person is wanting to and willing to open to 
working through them, you can work through and heal some of those factors and go on to have that fulfilling relationship. But it's kind of like, what's the starting point? Mm-hmm. You have that healthy relationship, you might be able to do some of what we talked about earlier, you know, building that healthy pathway changing the mindset because those mindset pieces will come up shifting the mindset trying to see each other and go on to that healthy deepened relationship if we have some of those fractures in pregnancy postpartum or to start with you know past betrayals um earlier in the relationship then all of that can be compounded by the time you have baby or pregnancy it's coming up more. I don't know if I can trust the insecurity of, I don't know if I can trust him when I say insecurity, not always about faithfulness, but I don't know if I can trust or depend on you as a person, let alone around when I feel my most vulnerable in terms of um, how I look or how I feel sexually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another really mm-hmm. big piece here, and then we'll do some strengths and tips for those who are in this yeah. stage. But there's one more piece here I don't want us to leave out, and that is how our mood and our anxiety impacts our relationship. And let me just like unpack this for a minute, because I think about this Mm -hmm. in a very different way now than I did maybe a number of years ago, where my resentment level or criticism of my partner often is more of a reflection of my mood in that moment than it is of their behavior, right? my partner is just living his life existing the same way he does like if there is a consistent human being in life it is my husband baseline consistent same thing every day and so if I've had a major swing in either perspective or mood or resentment or frustration I've learned to stop and check myself for a moment Because nothing that he has done in the last 24 hours has changed. But I'm feeling ragey today for some reason. Maybe that's a rough morning with the kids. Maybe that's a low mood day. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's some anger and resentment towards just feeling trapped in motherhood that day. Whatever it is, I've learned to use that, like step back from that and use it as a reminder to become curious about how I'm feeling that day. Because I think that we, like you had mentioned before with believing our beliefs and, you know, taking our assumptions over our partner's intentions. I think that before I didn't realize that my perception may have shifted that day. I may have woken up with like irritable lenses on my glasses (laughs) and not realized And then, you know, feel like the world is treating me differently that day, but really like I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And so I really have to check myself sometimes. And that takes a whole level of self-awareness and courage to look inward and be real with myself and call myself on some of those things because there may have been a time when it would have been really like a lot easier for me to be like, no, it is his fault. Like he needs to get it together. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't give us what we want anyways. And so that piece of like, when we pause, we get to that true need and want, or at least we might be able to label it and do something for ourselves to ease some of it. So if it's, you know, we're having a hard day, we're exhausted, we had a rough night's sleep, or the morning was really exhausted, 
we get back to that need or want so much of our relationship what you just described happens in our mind Mm -hmm. when you think about it like again because most people will you know not so much in the pandemic we might still be in the same house but we are having different experiences of the same context often you know as much as partners are working from home together or maybe working from home together there's that piece of we're in different ends of the home so we can take our calls and for the rest of us who are in separate places physically we're leaving each other and we're thinking about you know what they did or didn't do you know yesterday and sometimes like you mentioned it's just random thoughts or moods that will come up and affect how we feel about them so by the time they come home like you described with your partner it's the same person that left you but you're going to react to them differently you know one of the analogies i use in therapy often is you're feeling resentful you have that resentful thought of you know he doesn't understand me you feel really resentful and angry he brings home flowers and your first thought instead of you know he's doing something nice might be if you're stuck in that resentment you know i don't need flowers i need help with the kids or i need Mm. help with the dinner Mm -hmm. i needed you to see me in this moment that you didn't see me and we react and it ends up being a rupture in the relationship rather than something that brings us together a lot of that can be based on what we're thinking because it floods us then emotionally and physically in our body. It changes how we react and interact with our partner. Mm -hmm. If we can check those thoughts and be more aware, like you named, it takes that energy from us. It takes that awareness, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it just to, to take a breath and emotionally regulate, ask ourselves that question of where is this coming from? What do I need to, you know, how am I feeling and what do I need? And I really like the idea of picturing like glasses and lenses. Like, Mm -hmm. am I seeing my partner through the lens of exhaustion right now? Mm -hmm. Like my exhaustion. Am I seeing my partner through the lens of PMSing? Because, you know, hits us all differently. But I can tell you two or three days out, I am ragey for zero reasons that are different (laughs) than any other day. Right? So really just pausing and mindfully exploring that's not to gaslight ourselves. It's not to minimize. Like if our partner actually has done something hurtful, mm-hmm. it's not for us to minimize that and take that responsibility on ourselves. Like that's, mm-hmm. let's not get it twisted. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about more of the stories that we're telling ourselves in our mind and the way that we are interpreting events that are not communicated with partner and that taint and change the lens through which we're going to see and approach a situation. There might be times when there is a miscommunication between my partner and I, Mm -hmm. and that is valid and I feel hurt or frustrated and we have a conversation about it. And it's not about my perception. Mm -hmm. It's about like an actual event. And if you have a feeling about it, you're entitled to have a feeling and feel like, let's say you feel unseen right? You're allowed to feel unseen. We're not saying that you can't, but how do you manage feeling unseen? And I think that that's the big difference here that we're talking about, right? Do you manage it by saying, oh, you know, I feel really irritable and raging about that right now. What is it that I'm experiencing? Oh, like he's not, he hasn't acknowledged anything I've done today. Or are we dealing with it by criticizing and blaming and sort of perpetuating this pattern and then not truly communicating or getting a need met, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we talk about ways to parent-proof, baby-proof, whatever, our relationship to successfully, 
I say successfully, it's going to feel clunky mm-hmm. regardless of how we do it. But how do we make this adjustment in a way that we can stay attuned to each other mm-hmm. and for times when we don't make that repair with one another, right? I think repairs is a big one. Um, being willing to try again for each other, circle back to the conversation, know when to take a break. So when you're not in a space to have that conversation and because you're so emotionally flooded where they're so emotionally flooded. So knowing when to take a break and making sure that we're making those repairs, connection and communication are the, the other two keys. So, you know, trying to make that time, committing that time. So almost just like we as you say, like baby proofing the same way that we plan for all the things we want to do to take care of our baby's wellness, to make sure that, you know, our birth goes well, to think about our relationship too. How are we going to adjust? And I I like to say, you know, not setting unrealistic expectations. So to new parents, I don't often say like, date nights and all of that. It's great if you have the ability to do that, if you have the supports that allow that. Many of us didn't in the pandemic Mm -hmm. and some of us didn't way before. I'm one of those families that we just did not have that capacity. And so I don't often recommend date nights, but what I do say still finding that quality time. What is that time? And quality is the key. It doesn't have to be an hour. If you have five minutes to have a cup of coffee, if it's every other night, then it's every other night. But setting that intention, making that commitment of quality time, and then I say communication time, and almost like pulling it apart a little bit to make sure that there's time for, you know, the shop talk, the errand talk, as well as the time for let's enjoy the relationship. Let's go and have fun together, whether Mm -hmm. that's, you know, having fun together at home or we're going out to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that you've highlighted here that we can get lost in is just being these ships passing in the night, being all the conversations being about the logistics Mm -hmm. and the grocery list and the prep and all the things and not about the actual person or the relationship. And so if you have daycare, we'll try and like take a vacation day, still have the kids at daycare and just like go and sit out for breakfast. And like, what's on your mind? What's going on with you? What are your hopes for your own personal development in the next year or two? Like, what do you have going on? Or how are things at work? And really getting to do a bit of a deep dive because we do not, with three kids under five, get to have any of those conversations day to day. Mm -hmm. But they really help with feeling like you are both on the same team when you have, like you said, those shared goals, those shared values, those, I don't know if benchmarks is the right word, but those points that you're working towards together as a team and centering back on your why, really, like why we're doing all this, why we're working so hard, why we're, I don't know, my husband's doing his MBA right now, (laughs) you know, why we're sacrificing extra time or having these late nights. And this is one other piece I think that comes up in session a lot too is our partners, when they take things on, it feels like it jeopardizes our support and their availability to us. Like for example, Mm -hmm. I've had clients who their partners work full time and then they have like a startup or an app or like something that they're building. And while they want that and they share in that value, they share in that goal to build something and have, you know, successful business for their family and stuff. 
it feels like a direct threat at the stage of postpartum that they're in to the emotional support they need and the hands-on support that they need. Mm -hmm. So that's a piece too, I think, that is really important to communicate. And I just feel like it's an important thing to kind of throw in there. I don't know if that's something you see with clients a lot. Do you see that? Yeah, so it certainly does come up. And like you said, whether it's often a side business or something else or commitments to parents, if they're also in a caregiver role for other people, or even just um, commitments to friends, those things do come up. I think it comes back to that communication piece. If you notice that resentment building, if you notice that frustration in yourself, you can maybe pull it apart in terms of how much of it is you losing sight of the why. So what's the purpose and the intention when it comes to things that are not necessarily contributing back to the family, but are just theirs, like a friendship, right? It might be shifting to recognize like this is a trait I really admire about this person. I love how caring, compassionate, dependable that this person is my partner is the go-to because he's so empathetic. My partner is reliable and will come through for someone in need. And that's what I respect about him. So why am I resenting it when that energy is going to someone else? Mm -hmm. Am I resenting it because my need is I feel like I need some of that support. Then what I need to communicate isn't the criticism of what the other person is doing with their time and energy, but the fact that I want some of that and maybe getting a commitment for like, okay, maybe Sunday is our day or, you know, just having that day or that need put out there and knowing mm-hmm. that it's going to be met, even if it's not met in the current present time, knowing that it's going to be met can alleviate some of that frustration and resentment. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I can think of clients that I've had where, I don't know, they've owned farmland or things that require a lot of physical time out of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they like want to pack up and move off of the farm. It's like, can you come in at certain times of the day and check in with me mm-hmm. to see how things are going in the house before you continue back on? Like, it's knowing that our partner is ready and willing and available to support us, that they hold us in mind even when they're obligated to do things out of the home or whatever, right? There is this feeling of, I don't feel like I'm a priority. I feel like work is a priority. I feel like friends Mm -hmm. are a priority or the farm is a priority or like whatever insert blank, you know, Mm -hmm. it is. But I think, like you said, those are often things that we admire in our partners before we find ourselves in a role where, our needs of them have shifted in motherhood in such a dramatic way. And sometimes we don't know what we need. Mm -hmm. Our needs are completely different than they were before we had children. So if our needs have completely shifted from who and what they were before, you know, who we were and what the needs were, now a completely new set of needs in the postpartum. And our partner is supposed to just like keep up. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't even know what I need. So us being able to become curious, tune in with ourselves and learn how to effectively communicate that is probably one of the biggest like bubble wrap strategies that we can do for our relationship because one, it actually supports us in getting our needs met. And two, it really extinguishes that defensiveness and that criticism and those pieces that make it kind of like what is the word like crispy in our relationship, you know, like feeling kind of snippy back and forth. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time today 
and exploring this whole piece with us. I feel like there's so many different elements of this that maybe we'll come back and explore further in in more detail. I was going to say, where can people find you online? And we can definitely do that. But I know where you live online partially because it's with Happy as a Mother Wellness. And so you can find Camila through happyasamother.co slash book or through our links and anything on Instagram because you see clients in Ontario, both moms and couples. And where else are you hanging out online? Where else can people connect with you? Yeah, so I have a private practice in Bowmanville, and I also see couples, individuals, and moms, um, parents, of course, at Elite Counseling. So that's the Instagram handle or elitec-c.com. Yeah, and we can link your Instagram and things in the blog post as well. So thank you for taking the time, and I would love it for those who are listening to screenshot this, tag us in it, pass it on to a friend who might be struggling in their relationship as they're adjusting to motherhood. The more that you can get these resources out, the better. Again, thank you for joining us and all of that stuff will be linked in the show notes. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.